Hey everyone, this is Kobe here, and welcome to season two of The Wire Stripped. Thank you so much for all your patience over the past few months. It's taken longer than we anticipated, but we have been working really hard. We'd like to introduce season two with an extra special episode, which is our live, our first live episode recorded at London Podcast Festival with the one, the only, Clark Peters, a.k.a. Lester Freeman. So you're going to hear that um, that show pretty much in full. Just a couple of things to note, and we do reference some images and videos, um, but we hope it all makes sense for you guys. You guys are super fans of The Wire. There are no major plot spoilers, but we should say we do discuss some plot points from later seasons, so you have been warned. So, for those of you who couldn't make it, here's Clark Peters. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming. I can't believe you're all here, to be honest. It's amazing. Uh, Welcome to The Wire Stripped. I'm not Kobe or Dave. I'm producer Tom. Uh, but why don't you put your hands together and welcome two bona fide legends of the docks, Kobe and Dave. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. You've been literally like anywhere in the world and you choose to be here with us. Who are all you people? <laughs> I don't recognize any of you. Do you listen to this podcast? Do people listen to this? Give us a whoop if you listen to this podcast. Yeah. Give us a whoop if you've never heard this podcast before. Woo! Oh, de- all right. Uh, Untrustworthy that's not bunch. supposed to work like that, is it? I don't. Don't trust a single one of them. All right, now let's keep let's keep the whooping going. Who's yeah. who's seen the wire? <laughs> who's seen the wire more than once? <laughs> who's never seen the wire? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing you? here? <laughs> What's going on? You sat up the front. Right, prime view there. I know. Second this, row. This guy's called Toby. We're putting you on the spot. Oh, you know this guy. I, I, it's one of the it's one of the American TV series that I've never seen, but I. Really, really want to see. Great. Right. <laughs> so you thought yeah. I'm just going to so, yeah. jump in with the podcast? Straight to the podcast, yeah. <laughs> that gives all right. away all of the secrets. All the spoilers are going to be revealed today in the next 50 minutes. No, we are, in all honesty, we'll, go easy, we'll try and go easy on the spoilers. There's nothing too, too spoilerific here. Oh, God, I hope not. Except all the spoilers. Um, do, you like our, do you like our set? Yeah, look. Chess, guys. Chess. We, have a chess, we have a chess board. We were like, what do we do? Ch- do you get it? Chess? The Wire. Kobe doesn't know how to play chess. I know. What was I, that? I clearly know how to play chess. That was. All right. Can, nobody seen, can see this. I've seen he does, play he chess. does not know how to play chess. I, okay, right. I know how to play chess, but what I need, I need the competition setting. What I need is like the clock. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's your move. Oh, okay. I'll just do what you did. I'll go straight to the king. The wire would be over a lot quicker if that was the game. You see, the thing is, the king stays the king. Uh, <laughs> we didn't rehearse that. That's off script. Yeah, we didn't rehearse that. Um, so Clay Davis isn't coming, <laughs> um, but we have someone better. Um, you all know who it is, but let's, let's, do a big, 
Let's, Let's do a, a big old intro for him, anyway. Yeah. So our, our guest tonight is a singer, a dancer, actor, and director. So you're a dancer? Yeah. Are you going to do some dancing for us, Clark? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> You've given away who it is. <laughs> I mean, uh, mystery guest number one. <laughs> All right. Sorry, read your script. I'm just talking up. <laughs> Yep, so oh, it's, it's me. Yeah, it's you. He's also appeared on <laughs> Broadway and the West End many times, and his musical Five Guys Named Mo was nominated for a Tony Award. Yeah, and in cinemas, he's been in John Wick, Notting Hill, and most recently, three big awards outside of Ebony, Missouri. Is that how you say it? That's right. Yeah. He's also one of the few actors to bring Nelson Mandela to life. Yeah. Uh, and on TV, he's appeared in Damages, Jessica Jones, True Detective, loads more. He's a regular player in the work of David Simon, who's been at The Corner, most recently Treme, The Juice. But we're here, of course, to talk about one role in particular, and that, of course, is... Who is he? <laughs> Why did you turn to me when I was <laughs> drinking water? <laughs> the one, the only, Lester Freeman. Welcome to the stage, Clark <laughs> Peters. Come on. Come on. <laughs> We're hugging. <laughs> welcome. welcome. Welcome, Clark. That was a hell of a welcome. Thank you. Yeah, well, they're here to Thank see you. you. They don't listen to our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> Some people don't even watch yeah. The Wire. <laughs> and they're here front, front and centre. I know. Do you know. Do you know who this guy is, Toby? <laughs> you ever seen him before? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you mean when he came up on the screen up here? Yeah. Yeah. I got your number. <laughs> That's him. No way. That's him there. <laughs> Quickly. Um, let's talk about the wire. Let's talk about why? Why should we do that? <laughs> okay. We're I know you've had an amazing career. Clark, wait a second, man. Wait, 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 wait. Come on. While, while, while we're doing that, let's play it's a game. It's over. I won. <laughs> Oh, you actually want to play chess? Do you want to start again? Yeah, let's start again. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't go there. No, that goes there. Yeah. Yes, no. That doesn't go there either. No. Right. Okay. It's a, real, it's a really bad right. start. Okay. Does anyone know how to play chess here? Yeah, all right. Um, I think you do. I'm yeah. picking up here. You don't know how to play chess. No, you don't. Gonna... All right, go ahead. Step in there. And this is our show, everyone. It's 90, <laughs> <laughs> it's 90 minutes the of uh, chess. Dave and Kobe playing chess with uh, Clark Peters. Okay, I'm going to go. Uh... <laughs> Don't Got him stumped time. already. I can't believe it. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I like what we did there. All right. Oh, First, question. First question. First question. So, of course, <laughs> Damn it. for those of you who've heard our show before, we like to, we have guests on from, from your show, The Wire. Do you? Is that the only show you have guests on from? Um, yeah. Yeah, most. <laughs> Whoa. Um, and we always like to ask them how they got involved in The Wire. So, Clark, how did you get involved in The Wire? I got involved in The Wire um, through David and Robert Colesbury. You know, David Simon and Robert Colesbury were the big, were the creators of uh, of The Wire. Um, I'd worked with them on something called The Corner, and so uh, we finished The Corner one year, and I think it was only about a year later that they started on The Wire. The Corner is is the the world of uh, of drug users and drug abusers, um, and at the end of it, you found that you know these people who are addicted are they're not criminals; they're, they're victims. Yeah, and that's and that's basically what we got from from that particular uh, journey. But um, I got a phone call that said, "Come on in and just uh, see if you you want to do the wire." So I did. <laughs> and I presume you got that phone call from casting director Alexa Fogel. Yes, 
There she is. <laughs> we actually, she's not actually here, it's just a picture of her. Uh, but we, we did, we did have the pleasure of uh, chatting to Alexa recently and we asked her about when she cast you. You look nervous, no, she didn't say anything. No, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for her to come through the <laughs> <laughs> This is like, this is. <laughs> So we do have a quick clip of Alexa, which our wonderful producer Tom is gonna roll. Oh, as an actor, as a human being, the great, the great Clark Peters, who I adore. Uh, Clark had been in the corner, which I didn't cast, but, and they were considering him for this role and I happened to be in London. So I put him on tape in what I vaguely recall as being sort of an attic room in somebody's casting or agency office that they let me use for 20 minutes. But, you know, he's, you know, a great writer, director, theater actor, singer, and, uh, you know, a tremendous human being who I love. And very, very tricky when it comes to real estate. He has a gift. <laughs> um, well, you know, of course, that he bought a house in Baltimore where many of the actors stayed when they were in town because most people were commuting from New York. Yeah, and I one day was in New, <laughs> New Orleans when he, he had been looking at houses and we went on a little house hunt together. Very yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, that well, was. Tell us, a, tell us a bit more about the uh, your your real estate business. My real estate. <laughs> the uh, the the second season or the end of the second season of, of the Wire. I could see that um, that the actors were coming and going. You know, um, they were being checked into hotels. They they'd have to reconnect with the company, and so um, I decided to buy a house. <laughs> You know, and um, and I, because I knew that if I bought a house, at least the main players uh, would have a place to come to. You know, um, we weren't all being um, holed up at the Marriott Hotel or whatever. So just the yeah. main guys. No, for and, and on, on, for anyone who wanted to, but only the main guys decided to step up. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. Um, so that was the beginning of it. That was the beginning of it. And I, I thought that it was just going to be for one year, one, one season. But uh, by the end of it, we thought we, we thought we all lived in Baltimore. In my house. <laughs> just trying to get rid of them was a hell of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It was really good. It was, it was very good. But that's, that's how it started. And we thought that we might do something like that on a larger level. This is before, uh, before that Airbnb. But I thought we were thinking of that for actors. Okay. You know, so that we have a house in Baltimore, you have one in, in, uh, in L.A., you have one in London, and if you're traveling, just make a, call, a phone call to Clark, and I'll tell you where the key is, and <laughs> put your money in the box, and we'll be all right. <laughs> so we have a clip from one of your house guests, uh, John Doman. Yeah, man. Yeah, I was in that house. <laughs> <laughs> the house that Clark bought. And down in his cellar, he had a, a studio. I know, you know, a studio for painting. And yeah, we all had our own canvas down there, and we'd go down and do some painting. It was fun. We had a good time there. They called it the Academy. I painted a scene that was actually out of my memory from uh, the Grand Canyon. Actually, it was the Canyon de Che. It's a very dramatic-looking canyon, and I'd been out there with a friend of mine driving across country, and we'd stop there, and I. I just had a visual in my mind of that canyon, so that's basically what I painted. Uh, I, you know, I saw Clark at, at Reggie's uh, memorial service, 
And he says he still has it. <laughs> so. so tell us about these paintings. What, yeah, what did do. you paint? I painted um, uh, oh God, lots of things. Yeah, um, whatever came to mind. You know, um, some of the paintings were mistakes and some of them were musings and some were actually trying to paint something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and that, that sort of, that, that came about, um, first of all, let me say the house, the house was not a big party house. You know, we didn't have a big sound system, you know, we didn't have uh, parties going on and all that all the time. Basically, we didn't have a television. We didn't have a radio. Everyone had their individual little, little sound systems. And we had books. And we had a fireplace. And um, because everyone was so transient, you know, um, it was hard to like maintain any continuity, you know, in the relationship of the house, of the house itself. So John had his own room, Reggie had his own room, and for the first year, um, Presbalewski had his own room. But you know, everyone's moving. You know. It's his real name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, the 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 canvases came about because um, I would have a lot of downtime there myself. You know, in the first year that we were shooting it, we spent more time in bars and strip clubs than than I really care. <laughs> Baltimore, you know, is really the armpit. You know, when it, <laughs> when it comes to stuff like that, you know, no. We've got a I, few people here from that <laughs> yeah, yeah. great state. I can say that, you can, all right? <laughs> you know, uh, um, so, and I realized, you know, uh, six months had, we had just gone by, you know, and you really didn't have anything to show for it except a few memories. So in getting the house, it was a place where, where that turned into a salon. Naturally, it turned into a salon. Mm. We would read books, and then you come on downstairs, have something to eat. You sit by the fire and say, what are you doing? I'm reading such and such. Oh, yeah, tell me about it. And it began. You know, um, the, um, sometimes when it got too, uh, too boring, um, <laughs> you know, I, I would start, I started sketching and, and drawing. You know, and one, uh, in being introduced to, uh, to an, a local artist, he encouraged me to just keep on painting. And so the next season, I shared that, that moment with the, with the fellas and uh, got them some canvases. And next thing I know, you know, there's, there's four men downstairs, silence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 you know, so it's... Um, it, it, was, it was a really nice experiment and, and, and a lovely moment of, of my life because we just gravitated towards our intellects and to our creativity, you know, and it wasn't planned like that. It just, it just happened like that, yeah. I mean, you, you, said, you said it wasn't a party house, but there, there was a rival house, wasn't there, with Dom and Seth, where... That was the party house. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that was the party house. Oh yeah, because they they had they had well they had the games they had all of that going on you know just you know very adolescent. <laughs> uh, we were the mature group. <laughs> so I should just say, but there was no competition. There was definitely no competition. No, I'd rather be in your house. Yeah, I know yeah, you yeah. would. I'll be in the party house. You'd be playing Madden with Dom and Seth. Yeah. No, I'm a painter guy. Oh yeah. Okay. You know, play chess. Clark and the oh yeah. Um, oh, is it my move? Oh sorry. Yeah. 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 Okay. Stop the podcast. We're playing chess. <laughs> Hold on. All right. Um, 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I should say, I've seen a few people taking sneaky pictures. It's absolutely fine if you want to take pictures, but oh, yeah. make sure you follow at Clark Peters. You're trying to build up your Twitter account. Yeah, man. Yeah, build, build it for, for my son. He says, he says, I don't have enough, so... <laughs> uh, so take pizza, pictures, retweets, yeah. and follow us as well. If you don't follow us already, yeah. you should do. At The Wire Strip. Yeah. Hashtag... The wire stripped. Hashtag London Podfest. Yeah. That, why aren't you writing this down? You're, <laughs> Get your phones out. You're yeah. tweeting. Up the front, you're tweeting. Good man. Why is you this called wire stripped? So involved in his Twitter. Because we're, it was like stripping back the wire. Okay. Same right. words. Yeah. Yes. Pull, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, it's not working. <laughs> Should have okay. gone with Plan B. <laughs> the, I said, the, call it the Wire Podcast. And we'll be done with it. Um, we chatted with we chatted with Wendell Pierce. Um, and he told us who um, when the show when the show started and it first aired, and he watched it. Uh, he looked at it and he said, the, "This show's going to get cancelled very fast." Mm. And he said that was the sort of gener general sentiment. It was a bit of a vibe. How how did you feel when it first came? Did you think it would last? I didn't see it. Yeah, you know, when. Oh, I, right. um, I was really fortunate, you know, I, I just went... <laughs> no, I have seen it subsequently, yes. But uh, I was one of those actors that went to, went to Baltimore for six months, did the job, and left. So um, I always left around the second episode, when they started airing the sec second episode, we were still shooting the last episode of that season, right? So I got to see the first two episodes, right? Um, at least for the first two for the first two seasons. So um, <clears throat> I didn't know anything about uh, its reaction, except for when I would, when I came back, um, this sense of celebrity was was heightened each time, you know. Um, but um, as far as it going for as long as as it did, I, I honestly I thought that any week now because it's Baltimore. I would open up a script and somebody like Kimo would be saying, damn, did you hear what happened to Lester last night? <laughs> Shit. Damn. I thought he was going to make at least 15 years, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. so did you actually have, get an idea of what David Simon, Ed, uh, Ed Burns and those guys were trying to portray with The Wire? Um, didn't. Didn't have any idea at all. You know, for, for me, it was a cop show. It took a while to... And it took living in Baltimore to understand it being a love letter. You know, um, it took around the fourth season to realize that each season was compartmentalized and was titled and was an examination of society through the lens of the drug war, through the lens of when industry leaves a city, through the lens of education, local government, and the, and the media. So it was very specifically laid out like that, which is why there will never be... Uh, a season six, sorry, um, <laughs> because that's that is exactly how um, how David wanted to present the city. Um, John Doman told us about how uh, when they started, he and uh, Dominic West and Wendell Pierce went on a, a, a ride along uh, with the police mm. for a night. Did did you spend any time with uh, oh, police yeah. officers? Yeah, um, with police officers and uh, in the mortuary with uh, with the dead bodies as well. We, um, um, I rode along with the police one day, and they wanted to show off. Um, 
and I wasn't really appreciative of what, you know, what they were doing. Um, I knew that they were doing it for my benefit, and the young man that they busted was sitting in front of his house rolling a joint, and we drove by this street, we drove, went up the street, and there were people on either side of the street in little groups, and everyone's looking at the police car going by, and, and I'm looking at them, and yeah, so we roll them by. And um, we get to the end of the block, and one cop says to the other, shall we show him? He says, yeah, yeah. He said, well, we're going to circle back, you know. We're going to show you what we just saw. Now, I, I, we went up that street five miles an hour, you know. You could see an ant taking a poop. We were going so slow, <laughs> right? We come around, and we, as we get to the corner, he speeds up, and we pull up all dramatically in front of this house, and two boys who were sitting there, one gets up and runs into the house. The other one stands up and puts his hands up in the air. And I didn't see any of this. I didn't see what, what the police had seen. What the police had seen was them rolling a joint as we went by the first time. Right? What they saw the second time was as they came around the corner, one of the boys get rid of the weed you know, and bolt for his front door. So when we got out the car, one cop went to the grass and started picking up the evidence. The other cop went and got the boy who was running into his house, and the third boy, the, the, uh, the other suspect, just stood there and had nothing to do with it. Now, I thought it was a bit excessive, you know, the way that they pulled up on the cats like that, and um, they went through his pockets, and he had some, some, uh, some drugs in there. <clears throat> we get in the car, and we're going back to the police station. So first I'm witnessing the... Uh, um, how observant a police officer really is. And if you had blinked, you would And what they showed me was just one thing that they saw on that whole block. Right? So uh, my respect went up <laughs> tenfold there. Thinking, yeah, I got to be real cool now, man. <laughs> Damn. So, um, so now we're in the car, and we're going back, to, going back to the station. And they ask this young man if he has any guns or he knows anything about any guns. Right. He denies it. From the, and I'm just, I've got to be quiet. I'm not allowed to say anything. But his story changed from the moment he got into that car to the time we got to the interrogation room. It went from, I don't have any guns at all, to, I think I know someone who might have a gun. I thought, okay. And I wanted to tell this kid, like, if whatever your story was, man, you should just stick to it because <laughs> it don't take no detective to show that you lying. You know, you lying like a, I don't know what. So, um, so we're now we're going into the interrogation room, and the, uh, the police officer there <laughs> looks at him and goes, oh, no, not you again. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this boy's got it rough. Right? <laughs> so we go on in, and they obviously do know each other. He finds out that he does indeed know someone who has a gun, and he says, my mother. And I thought, you, excuse me, bitch, why would you turn your mother in, man? <laughs> you know, they, they've got you on the drugs. They've got you on whatever you had in your pocket. So that's 10 years right there. And now you're going to turn your mother in. So I'm panicking. The police officer goes, do you want me to give her a call? Like he knows her. <laughs> and he does. <laughs> she calls up. He calls up. Puts it on the speakerphone, and 
he introduces himself and she says, uh, officer so-and-so, keep him down there. Keep him. You know, don't take him to central booking. Yes, I have a gun. Yes, it's licensed if he wants it. You know, and I, the whole process from the moment of setting in that car to the very end, seeing all aspects of police, uh, of the police force. You know, that officer, the final interrogating officer, was a man of the community. He knew who that boy was. He knew his mother, you know, um, and he had to handle that very delicately. Um, when I asked him how he knew the guy uh, and get some other um, information about him, it turned out that the boy was just 17 years old, had been shot five times, and knew who shot him, but would never give it up. So that's what the police have got to deal with over there on that side, and it was a, a hell of an experience rolling around with them. Yeah. I still try to avoid them as much as I can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things we like most about The Wire is seeing the transformation of the characters. Mm -hmm. And Lester's transformation happens quite soon in the, in the show, uh, transforming from a cuddly house cat to cool Lester Smooth. Yeah, you put that cuddly house cat thing, man. I never, no, go ahead. <laughs> David Simon wrote that. Not yeah, his words, not ours. Yeah, yeah, all right, good. Might have another girlfriend in New York. He likes to work out and he used to box golden gloves when he was young. Been working on this guy for two weeks, and the truth is, we don't know shit. Golden gloves. How'd you hear that? Um, I, uh, I think I got that from a DEA file. Uh, from a CI who, uh, claimed to know him way back when. So you write everything down? Yeah, everything. Bingo! <laughs> Where did you get this? <laughs> look at that look. <laughs> <laughs> Round of applause, no, no, guys. Yeah, I wish I, I wish I was that smart. I really <laughs> Uh, give, give us one of the, give, give us that eyebrow raise. Can you do it for the crowd? Oh, the... This is perfect for a podcast. <laughs> 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 oh, but you guys are so easily entertained. Come on. <laughs> give me something to work with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he can dance. Yeah. That's what he said. So, oh, 13 years and four months. A week after the trial ends, the major comes to me and asks me where I want to go. I tell him, I don't care. I like to be outside, you know. Give me a goddamn foot post. I'll still make my money. You know, send my ass up to Edmondson Avenue. I don't give a shit. You went to a foot post? No, the major come back and asked me where I don't want to go. And he asked him, like, you want to make sure I land okay. So I tell him, I don't want no fucking paper shuffle. No office shit. Send my black ass outside and let me police somewhere. <laughs> Pawn shop unit. No. <laughs> they got me good, huh? <laughs> so why they let you out of the box? Why now? I guess they just forgot about me. Shit, Lester. <laughs> you back from the dead. Mm. You rolled away the stone. Mm. 
Bunk Moreland says you're natural police. One of the few. Yeah, I've had my moments. <laughs> Detective. When they ask you where you want to go, and they are going to ask you where you want to go, do yourself a favor. Keep your mouth shut. It doesn't listen. No. <laughs> okay, guys. No. I got a question. I got a question. I got a, I got a question. <clears throat> what was playing in the background? Anybody know what music was playing in the background? Jazz. Yes. <laughs> Am I right? Who, who was it? Who, who's, yes, yes, yes. Do you know which one? Who said Miles Davis? Go ahead. Hey. There we go. There we go. There we go. Go ahead. Well done. That's the most important thing about that scene. <laughs> There's a prize for you later. Yes, there is. Yes, There's going to be prizes. There's going to be prizes, yes. So what we should have said at the top of the show, there's going to be a question, a Q&A session. There's going to be prizes for every single person that asks one. So yeah. get thinking ahead. But also don't get excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're not very good. <laughs> there's a question you're going to ask them. Yeah, so the... Um... <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> so when, they, when Lester's backstory is unraveled, how much of it did you know before she started the show? I didn't know anything. Yeah. You, um, the so back you thought you were just going to be playing with dolls for the next five years? Well, and even that was, was a, you know, it was like pulling teeth to find out why. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, the only brief I was given was that I was a widower and that I was bringing up two, two boys. Um, at some point in time, we were supposed to introduce um, the dilemma that he found himself in, um, which was one boy going against the law and the other one following the law. You know, so where does a person like Lester Freeman find himself in that moral compass? Um, fortunately, we never had to explore that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Did the mics pick up cracking his knees? Uh, cracking there. Yeah. Are you all right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to <laughs> to call somebody? <laughs> Does, is there a chiropractor in the house? <laughs> so, uh, that's all I knew about. That's all I knew, <laughs> that's all I knew about Lester to begin with. Um, um, I was told about the dollhouse furniture, and, and I wasn't too sure of why. You know, what, you know, what is the dollhouse furniture to this man? Um, and I fabricated this whole thing that if he was a widower, it might have been something that his wife was involved with and, and that he just took it up to keep her alive in his life because he seemed to be so introvert. You know, I was thinking, what is his inner conversation? So I built this whole thing about his wife and the kids and all this kind of stuff. It turns out... Um, the reason why he's, according to Ed Burns, the reason why he's into Doll's House Furniture is because in the mortuary um, in Baltimore, there are crime scenes that are set up in, with Doll House Furniture, crime scenes that have not been solved. You know, and I think that's a much better, mm. uh, better <laughs> lie than me, like, weeping over my wife, you know. Um, no, your one's pretty good as well. Yeah, yeah, well, maybe we can work them both into the next series. Yeah. Well, you said there was no next series. <laughs> <laughs> we just got an exclusive. Yeah. first. I mean, we're here now, was it 15 years after The Wire ended, and we're still lots of people here. We've created a podcast about it. 
the, the books about it still coming out recently? Did you ever actually think that the legacy was going to be this big? Hell no, man. <laughs> I, yeah, no. I, yeah. Um, since it's ended, um, it's been a real sharp learning arc. Because um, what the wire, the experience of the wire has shown me is one, the power of the media. Number two, that um, Baltimore is no different to Glasgow or to Barcelona or to parts of Paris. You know, um, they have the exact same problems. And this is from people who have seen it, who volunteered this information. You know, so um, it'll probably be going on for going on some for some time because it is a, a really good study of uh, of of the Western world's governance. Uh, you know, we've got another clip here. It's one of our you? favorite moments. Um, okay. Let's catch us tomorrow, man. Hi. 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 Later. Non-pertinent. How do you log that non-pertinent? No drug talk. They use codes to hide their patron phone numbers. And when someone does use a phone, they don't use names. And if someone does use a name, he's reminded not to. All of that is valuable evidence. Of what? Conspiracy. Conspiracy? We're building something here, detective. We're building it from scratch. Together. All the pieces matter. <laughs> hey! Hey! <laughs> oh my. You had a, amazing. You had a great uh, uh, dynamic with uh, <coughs> with Jim. Yeah. Jim yeah. Um, particularly in the first two seasons. What, yeah. what was it like that sort of playing with each other? That buddy. So much fun. Yeah. I think um, um, he and his wife were one of the first to move into the house as well. You know. So uh, um, our families were were we were friends. You know. He would take my son to go play. Uh, tennis or basketball or whatever his daughter, his wife would do yoga in the morning, you know. Um, so it was easy to play with him because he was a friend, you know. And and you trust, yeah, I trusted him, you know. And and I think he trusted me as well, you know. And I think the friendship is what actually comes across there, mm, you know, which is uh, which is something else about film, you know. You can't really lie. You, you can act, <laughs> you can act, but like if. Um, if there's something that's true, that's honest, regardless of what the medium is, the observer is going to get the true vibration of, what, of the intention. Did you have a similar dynamic to that, the sort of student mentor thing? Because a lot of the cast that we talk to mm. do refer to you as the wise one. Uh, that's only because um, I am. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I mean that shit. I don't mean that shit. <laughs> Only because of the script, and you know, it's really been weird trying to be the smart man for the past. <laughs> I'm really not that bright, I promise you. Yeah, but, yeah, but you've written musicals and stuff, man. Well, that doesn't take that type of intelligence, you know. This, you know, this man is very analytical, you know, and and you know, 13 years and four months, you know, sitting down there trying to figure out how to get back at the the the, the system. <laughs> you know, you know, it gives you a, it gives you a different slant on life. You know, so um, 
No, yeah, he's he's a smart he's a smart he's a smart dude, and I think if the cast feels like that, it's simply because we've all had to play those roles, you know, and so it's um, you know, so it's it's almost easier to get in to get into it like that. Yes. So he talks about being smart, but I also see you in action mode. Not out of hand, Mister. Not out of hand. Take him. That bottle smash comes way out of left field. When me and Dave were talking about it on the show, we were both kind of shocked at, that it was you that did that. Do you think David Simon kind of wrote that to show people that there is a police brutality um, inherent in the system? No. Or he just wants to give you a fun job? He just wanted to see if I could do it. <laughs> uh, no, I, I just think... Uh, um, you didn't need that in, you didn't need to see that to see the, the police brutality because um, by the time that comes around, you've seen enough brutality. Um, I think what he wanted to show was who Lester was before that 13 years and what, um, you know, to let him get back in the field for, for a bit. Um, if I remember, it wasn't far from it being his case. Mm. You know, so um, it would make sense that he, that he take, uh, take the lead on that. The, um, it's the, the, the thing that is more American that caught most people off on that is calling him Shorty. You know, and um, shorty is uh, is a term that uh, some men use for their for their girlfriends. A eh, shorty, you know, and so um, just hearing that is just so you know you you can scream that at the top of your lungs and no one's gonna figure oh what's going on you know. Um, so it was um, it was a good choice to use hey shorty and just smack him upside the head with that bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was the, that was the first hint that we'd seen of uh, there was more to Lester than the the, mm. the doll furniture and the, mm. the office guy and the analytics. There was another great scene which we have here in the first season. Him taking charge. Is that when Kimo was? Yeah. 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 That's Bob Colesbury. Oh, yes. Let's get to work. Fuck you. Fuck me. We got a wire up. So we got to wire up on some motherfucker that just shot a cop. If somebody talks or someone gets on the wrong phone and says the wrong fucking thing about what happened here tonight, where the fuck do you want to be? Church roof? Yeah, you and me. Send a text to McCullough Street phone. Anybody get in contact with Kima's people? Shit. I'll do that first, meet you at the church. Obviously, you know, the show showed us police at their best and police at, at their yeah. worst. Mm. Uh, and, you know, you gave us your, your real-life account of travelling with the police. Mm. Um, how, how do you feel, you know, this is 15 years ago, but the, in the last few years in the, in the US, the, mm. the, there's been a huge divide between the police and, and civilians. Mm. How, do you feel, how do you feel about that in general, and how do you think that the show maybe predicted some of that or showed it? Um, in the black community, it's never, it's never stopped. It's never stopped. The only thing that's happened is that a light has been taken off of it, so you're not aware of the, of the numbers. You know, um, 
Um, from the time I came into the world, um, the persecution of people of color in America has been right here in my ear from in the 50s when cousins in the South, um, oh, you'd read a, a, a newspaper in the North of someone in the South being um, lynched yet again. I mean, this, this wasn't, this didn't happen like once a year, you know, or, you know, these are things that happened all the time. Um, if that's for me, it, I, I'm busy. Is <laughs> um, <laughs> um, What we've seen because of social media is are, are uh, more uh, um, explicit moments where uh, people of color are being shot in the back. Um, um, but this, yeah, this this hasn't heightened that. You know, it's just reported what it is. What I was concerned about was when, uh, um, what's his name, Grace, it's Stevie Gray, was it, um, in Baltimore, who was killed in the back of the police. That's, that was a telling moment for me. I was wondering how the city was going to react to that, you know. Um, and some of the wire uh, cast was there to try to find a way to quell um, some of those uh, um, groups who were... Um, more agitated than others. Um, Kima, for example, has a wonderful uh, program where she does reading um, and uh, poetry, spoken word, with uh, with some of the gangs. Um, people like Donnie, who was um, who was the real Omar. Donnie Andrews. Donnie, yes, um, worked with them, worked with the kids. So um, I don't think that the that I don't think that that. Um, that this has um, heightened it. I don't think that has diminished it. I think that is probably telling as close to close to it as as, uh, as it can, you know, um, without sensationalizing it. And it's, it's pretty sensational anyway when you when you think about it. Yeah. So, so on to a lighter note. Here is <laughs> drunk Lester Freeman. You know what I'm saying, right? That's the hammiest drunk I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think better be awake too, because I do believe Lester Freeman's in the mood for love. <laughs> do you have any tips for drunk acting? Or? <laughs> Get drunk. <laughs> Get drunk, you know, that's, that's the best way to do that. Because <laughs> why it seems like a masterclass in drunk acting. You, uh, M- M- McNulty, yeah. McNulty, just, no, no, not me. No, <laughs> McNulty and Bunk. <laughs> Those... involved sometimes, though. No, the, uh, not, le- well, at that, that time I was legless, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have needed to be carried home. But most of the time it's just a drink after work. Yeah, well, you guys used to hang out a lot, right? And go to pubs and clubs. And yeah. Great atmosphere. That was only the first season. <laughs> right. I got wise. Like, you know, I, I'm the oldest. I was the oldest one in that cast. So um, as much as I like to be around the, the, those young bucks, man, that energy just, those guys wear me out, man. You know, there's just so many times you can go to a, a, a bar and just hang out there for, and just talk the same nonsense, you know. So, <laughs> Don't you find that? I mean, men of a certain age, don't you feel like, why? 
You know what I mean? You know, you can do better things with your time, you know? So that's why you started the academy. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get rid it's of the TVs. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, it was kind of, you know, it, it's, it, it kind of, that was kind of a, you know, a backlash to that. You know, let's just, let's just do something completely different. I actually started the year before that. I was, I had, uh, was doing a writing course. That's what it was. That's what really got me to slow down. I thought, no, we can't do this. So it was the third year, I think, that... Was it the third year that we bought the house? Yes. I've got to check with my wife over there to make sure that... Yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned McNulty. Uh, I think McNulty and Freeman were, were brilliant together. We've got another good moment of... Uh... Yeah. We're good at this, Lester. In this town, we're as good as it gets. I love playing with them. Natural police. Fuck yes, natural police. Tell me something, Jimmy. <laughs> How exactly do you think it all ends? What do you mean? A parade, a golden watch, a shining Jimmy McNulty day moment when you bring in a case so sweet everybody gets together and says, oh, shit, he was right all along. We should have listened to the man. The job will not save you, Jimmy. It won't make you whole. It won't fill your ass up. I don't know. A good case. Ends. They all end. The handcuffs go click and it's over. And the next morning, it's just you in your room with yourself. Until the next case. Boy, you need something outside of this here. <laughs> <laughs> what he said there after that was like, yeah, what? Like dollhouse furniture? Yeah. Um, yeah, like dollhouse furniture, man. Yeah, Freeman and McNulty are good, though, because they, they're... We you know, parry both really well. Good police. Yeah, natural police. <laughs> yes. Natural police. Yes, yeah. They're very different. You know, Freeman is... Freeman's clearly wiser. He's got more going on with his life. Doll furniture, <laughs> Did you... You know, what do you, what do you think about McNulty's character and Dominic and his self-destruction? Um, I think that he's a perfect dynamic for that, and, there, and he epitomizes maybe three police officers that we met. Yeah, um, there's one scene where he comes around a corner in a car and he has a, a, an accident, um, and he can't believe it's happened. And so he goes back and makes a turn again, and this, the same thing happens. <laughs> right? Well, that really happened. There was an officer who did that. He, when he was so drunk, he couldn't believe that he hit that telephone pole. <laughs> so he backed up. <laughs> to make sure that his bearings were correct, and he took off again and hit that telephone pole. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. I, like the, I, I like that, and particularly, I, I think you see this in season five, where we, ha where we have the same objective, but we have different means. Mm -hmm. you know? um, and I think that that was, um, at first I didn't like that, but the whole process of understanding who that man is has taken five years, because every year there's something different in his personality that I didn't think was uh, was part of him, you know. But 13 years and four months will make you make you <laughs> yeah. want to do some crazy shit, man. <laughs> yeah. You talk about working with uh, a renegade like Manolte, he gets results, but also he can be properly infuriating. Oh yeah. And we got another uh, <coughs> clip with you guys. Why you got something going on? Nothing too sexy, just pushing the case uphill inch by inch on Kentel Williamson. 
Our stated target. We're working too, Lester. Yeah, on your own thing. You even listen to me, McNulty? I got a real case to bring in. A fellow named of Stringer Bell. You might have heard of him. I don't know. You got a mouth on you, boy. Still out there, Lester. He's got his corners, his money. Fuck it. By now, for all you know, he's got all that downtown real estate. Motherfucker probably owns half Baltimore without his even knowing it. That ain't the point. You even know what happened to all that real estate, Lester? All that downtown property Bell has title on? Fuck no. Probably laughing his balls off right now. You, me, Daniels, all of us. You even pretending to speak for anyone other than yourself, McNulty? I'm speaking for the job. You want to talk about police work? I was doing the job when you was just dreaming on it. Daniels was out there, too. Now, you're going to fuck him when he pulled you off a goddamn boat? He's a boss. Fuck the bosses. Maybe Daniels plays a few games to get by, but he's cost himself plenty for the sake of the job. He's earned some loyalty. Fuck loyalty and fuck you, Lester. I never thought I'd hear that chain of command horse shit come out of your mouth. Motherfucker, I spent a lot of time in a lot of weak units. More than you. Now, this here may not be perfect, but it's a chance to be police. Well, then be one. You're not even worth the skin off my knuckles, Junior. <laughs> So, uh, before be, be, you know, sure. you know, that, that's way that's the way that ends, and to McNulty's credit, mm. is that he's actually right. You know, he's, he's saying, forget the stats, and our part of this journey is that we're going to try to find the stats, make them work. But McNulty, being the renegade, is actually right. So, my hat, take off my hat to you, Turkey. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to jump to the Q&A in a second. So whilst you guys are thinking about uh, your questions, just one more from us. Um, which is your favourite season? Which is my f the first one? Why is that? Um, because I was getting to know who he was. Um, and I think that the writing was, the writing was new. We, uh, we were all trying to find our place. We didn't know what this thing was, and it was exciting. And I was playing with dollhouse furniture. Yeah. <laughs> what could be more fun than that? You know? Yeah, I, I would say that that's... Um, yeah, I would say that first season, because so much was set up in that first season as well that didn't resolve itself. And Was the first season when I met the hooker and gave her glasses? That's was right, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Oh, you really enjoyed that? You know, yeah, well, you know, what I liked is, like, is that the whole series is bookended with him meeting her, him being with her at the very end, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And so it's up to the audience's imagination to figure out what happened in between. But to see these two people, you know, having a healthy relationship, at the end of that, I thought was, yeah, that was spot on. So, so before you ask me who my favorite actor was, it was that actress. <laughs> <laughs> Shoddy. Shoddy. All right, uh, so we're, we're going to throw to a Q&A now. We do have some prizes. Uh, so first of all... We've got, oh, we've got to go by the man behind the curtain here. <coughs> Cheetos and ding-dongs. Cheetos <laughs> and fucking ring-dings. Ring-dings or ding-dong, who knows? It's American snack. Clark, do you know what this stuff is? Oh, it's man, steak out food. Oh, man, you got... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, don't do that to the people, man. <laughs> Everyone oh. gets a ding-dong. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so we've got uh, Tom on our roaming mic is going to go around, but we do have a couple of slightly better prizes. 
Uh, we've got a signed copy of Andrew Johnston's All the Pieces Matter. Signed by, by Clark. I didn't write it. No. <laughs> I just signed it. But his picture's in there, and he signed the picture. Uh, and we also, because it's Lester Freeman, um, we thought, let's get a dollhouse. So we, we found this amazing uh, <laughs> antique. Um, this, this is, it's over 100 years old. It's been restored. Lester Freeman himself couldn't have done a better job. This is meticulous, beautiful furniture, but unfortunately it cost way too much, so we didn't get it. Um, but this one on Amazon was a lot cheaper. So, and here it is. <laughs> prize. Les, what do you think of the craftsmanship here? I think there? that's divine. Yeah. Just, just, just. Absolutely beautiful. Okay, so uh, who's got a question? Oh my God, everyone does. Oh, there we go. Okay. The, your, man, your man in the white t-shirt in the second row is the fastest. Why don't we just do it like this? Row, row, row. Yes. Oh. Right over here. Um, thanks for coming along. It's been great to, to listen to you talk about the show. Thank you. Um, I was quite fortunate that a friend introduced me to the show while I was still going out in the States via normal, uh, unnormal means. <laughs> um, but uh, subsequently over the years there's always been a debate amongst my friends of you know, which is our favourite season and I you know you've just answered that but was there a particular season where you found it hard to get back into the character or easiest to find the character again when, once the season started yeah the fifth season was the hardest one um, because it was uh, so uncharacteristic of of um, Freeman to do to go off piste so so much, to figure like yes, let's kidnap somebody, and uh, let's tell this lie to the media. Let's you know, I I protested all the way through that, and Ed Burns said, yeah, just just stick with it, just stick with it. It's within his moral compass. <laughs> like all right, yes. So that was that was the hardest. That was the I, I felt alienated from him for for a moment because he he'd been the uh, uh, he'd been so good, you know. I didn't want to be bad, you know, but it was good being bad. <laughs> it was so good being bad. <laughs> so here's right. your, your ring ding. We're definitely going to kill somebody. <laughs> yeah. Right in front here, maybe. So I'm from Baltimore. There you oh, go. Hi. Oh, yeah. oh, the armpit right. of America, apparently. <laughs> that was really rough. Yeah. That, was, that, was, that was me. <laughs> I don't like that. Uh, no, I'm a fourth generation Baltimorean, so... Was there a moment or a time when you fell in love with the city and really didn't think of it as the armpit of America? <laughs> That's New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, um, and it takes a while to. It takes a while. It's. I think it was when I when I got the apartment, when I got the house, and um, I started meeting other artists there. Yeah. The thing about Baltimore is that it's it's historically, it's place had a very interesting. Uh, place on on the on the timeline in America's uh, map, um, and also being the the innermost um, um, port um, in America, so you get a lot of cultures coming around, uh, coming around. But it wasn't until I, I started um, um, painting that I see that you know Greek town has its own its own artists and its own community. You know, um, uh, um, Pigtown has its own, you know, its its own vibe. You know, you can go up to Towson, and there's something else. So, I was um, 
I fell in love it when when I, f I fell in love with it when I found smaller jazz places to to listen to some music, um, when I found some spoken word um, venues, um, and I think when when uh, maybe two months after moving into the new house, I was out in the garden clearing up, and I hear this voice, my next door neighbor, introducing herself. You know, and welcoming me, wel welcoming me to the neighborhood. And she did it by saying, I see you've been working in your garden all day, but I haven't seen you eat. So I prepared a plate of food for you. And that was it. You know, I figured, like, you know, if, 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 uh, if neighbors, if people can be like that, I'm fine, man. I'm good, you know. And I, you know, I, I'm, we were great friends. Having said that, on the other side, I had Beals above. You know, on the, on the other on the other side, we were just complaining about every little damn thing that went on. You, know. but um, was the painting too loud? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All those garish colors. He couldn't. He, no, stop spraying right. that paint. That was definitely a cheese it question. <laughs> Get in. The, oh my God, they're not even it's, separate yeah, and, 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 <laughs> Thank you. Stick your hand in there. We're all friends uh, here. Do go to Baltimore. Do, do check out Baltimore. Do check out Baltimore because we, uh, it's, it's from, it's from uh, Patterson, uh, Patterson Park that, uh, um, that the, um, the national anthem was, was, being, was being written because the Brits were trying their best to get up that, you know, get, get, in, get in land, but... Those stars and stripes, man, I'll tell you. Those <laughs> bombs bursting in air, you know. I'm coming to you with a ding-dong. That's something I never expected. <laughs> That's too much information, son. That's far too much information. He, has, he hasn't had the question yet. Um, you, obviously, for all of, for probably for most of us in this room, are totally synonymous with Leicester. And you have a connection with David Simon from the corner. Um, and I don't know, but I wonder whether you were even picked out for that role. But looking back on it, um, who, if you had a do-over, apart from Leicester, would you like to play? Because I'm going to call out Prop Joe now. I think, oh. you'd a, I think you'd have made a great Prop Joe, but so I'm taking that answer. But who would you, <laughs> who, 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 who would you like? Who would you like to play, basically, apart from Leicester? Apart from Leicester, oh gosh, there's um. Bubbles. Oh. Yeah. yeah, Bubbles, yeah. It, I can say that now because I know how his journey ends, yeah. But um, I think that Andre Royale brought such humanity to that, yeah, that it was, it, it was disarming, yeah. So I think I'd like, uh, I like Lashada Bubbles, yeah. Hi, another American in the room. Hello, American in the room. Welcome. <laughs> That's how we roll. So, You're not going to give her your ding-dong? I'm ding-dongless, it's fine. <laughs> Do you want to cheese it or a ding-dong? I mean, definitely not the cheetah. You don't? Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> you can have a dollhouse if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I think, so for myself, my husband, I think we've watched all five series sort of over and over. People in the room have watched it once or a hundred times. Two-part question. Do you enjoy or can you handle watching yourself in things that you've been in? And also, do you feel disconnected because you have an obsessed over this five series as much as yeah. <laughs> some people making podcasts, <laughs> writing, <laughs> writing books? 
Um, I'll hit the first question first. No, I, I don't like looking at um, watching back what's been done on film. Um, I think it's because I started in stage and we don't get a chance to do that. You know, you just put all of yourself into that moment to tell the story um, and get it over and done with. And so, um, <clears throat> as far as The Wire goes, I didn't see The Wire until maybe four years ago in its, in its entirety. You know, um, and then there, enough time had gone, had passed so that I could see the whole story and really appreciate the story objectively. Um, and what was your second question? No, that was just the, uh, now that you've actually, sorry, now that you've actually been able to see it, are you, mm. have you been, actually been able to enjoy it? Yes. The way everybody else has. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm learning how to, how to how to use the experience. Tell my wife to watch it. You know, she, after all these, she still hasn't seen it. I'm gonna call you out. Yes, I'm gonna call, I'm gonna call you out. <laughs> Let's have some, my, my wife has only just watched season one, so she could be. She's here today. Here we go. Oh. Maybe she we should put them in a like room and let them me. watch it together. Yes, yes. This is a bit of a related question. Um, it's a bit of a what question? A bit of a related question. I think the second series of The Wire, more than anything else, explains why Donald Trump got elected. What a cunt. <laughs> uh, Don't mince words, brother. Are there any like, themes in The Wire that scale more than that, or give you a load of hope about humanity and how we can progress? I'm not too sure. I'm, the, I'm the, really the one to answer that the the breadth of that question because it's it's pretty heavy, <laughs> you know. Um, you guys are such downers tonight. I know, yeah. <laughs> we got the no, world is ending no. back here. No, 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 I think no, I think I think it's part of you know, the, you know to take away what I took away from the experience, as I said, was finding my own peace. You know. Um, what it took away from the experience was a different respect for the police because they have a hell of a job, regardless of where they are in the world. You know, they're good guys, they're bad guys. That's how it is. America is no worse than here, and here is no worse than Barcelona or Scandinavia or China. It's all the same nonsense. You know? so, um, so what we take away from it, uh, and, and David never offered this, David never, ever offered a solution. All he's ever done was hold a mirror up to you and hopes that you will figure out what the solution is. You know? And having dialogues along these lines is, is one way to get to whatever, to find out what those solutions are. You know? What happens when industry leaves? You know, what happens? You know, all of a sudden we have uh, corporations that, are, that have completely undermined the, the individual's chance to, to, for any, any entrepreneurial uh, kind of enterprise. You know, you just can't open up a hardware store. You know, you can't just open up a grocery store like, you, like your parents or a bookshop, you know, or a clothing store. You can't do that, you know, because this is the world that we live in, you know. But when industry leaves, when all that crap leaves, <laughs> then watch, then watch what happens. You know, in America, the WalMarts. If the Walmart was not there, can you imagine how many more people, how much of a burdening, burgeoning middle class would you have? You know, so um, the second season was was very was was uh, um, was more telling than than not. 
the um, um, season three, no, season four going into education. You know, you've got, you've seen that here. You've seen that here, you know. There's no solutions. Take a look at it, you know, and try to dialogue to find some better way to look after that generation that's coming up. And here, you have not only a generation, but you have a generation that's made up of many cultures coming together, trying to learn a language, trying to learn the customs, trying to, trying to be, you know, trying to be, in my mind, the American dream in England. You know, isn't that what it was supposed to have been like? Where people from far and where everyone could come on over and find some, you know, find some place to be. So there's something in each one of those episodes, you know, there are no answers, but there's certainly enough information there to, to dialogue about, you know, to come up with some answers. Okay, so I think my question might be a variation on the last two. Uh, sorry. Um, and it's, uh, I, I just spent a week in New Orleans, so I've been re-watching Treme. I was wondering to what extent you regarded that as sort of an opportunity to continue what you were doing in the last. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's a good question, brother. Yeah. You know, when, it, when it, I hadn't lived in America for maybe 25, 30 years. So that my first time living back in America, the first place I'm living in is Baltimore. Welcome to America. <laughs> you know, the second place I live at is New Orleans. You know, um, as an African American, these places hold a very powerful place in in, the, in, the, in our history, Baltimore as well as New Orleans. You know. Um, in my family, there's Blackfoot Cherokee as well as the Irish and the Scottish and everyone else who else is coursing through my, 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 my veins, you know. But getting to New Orleans, that felt like home because that is the only place where you will see in evidence the enslaved African and the Native American Indian having come together. And if you think that it never happened, you just take the blinkers off. Take the blinkers off. Coming into today, if you've been in America, if your family's been in America three generations, there ain't no uh, pure race there, brother. <laughs> there isn't anyone in America who, who's been there for three generations who doesn't have another culture coursing through your veins. It's impossible unless you just stayed in your little camp and if that was the case, then I have to say some other crimes were taking place. <laughs> All right. <I'll, laughs> you know. I think this man should get a, a book for dropping the C-bomb on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh, you've already got it. All right, yeah. you gave it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give away our prizes, man. <laughs> this is a very obscure one, and it may seem a bit trivial after some of the questions, but I've been dying to ask this as a jazz fan, and since my favorite musician, jazz musician, is Lester Young. Lester Freeman, a uh, reference to another saxophone player, Bud Freeman. Bud and there's a Prez Belusky. Yeah. So, is, it, is that my imagination, <laughs> or is there somebody who was no, writing man, it who was That who sounds was a like a real fan. wonderful jazzy connection, brother. You know, because only, only you got that. <laughs> that, is, that is, but like, but that's true. I can, you and know. he's very cool, Les, Les yeah. Freeman. He sounds like a jazz musician. Yeah, but yeah, but Bud as well as, yes, I, I, yeah. 
and prayers, of course. But you can't enlighten me. There isn't somebody who... No. Who named these characters? Um, I would say that that comes mostly from, I'd say, Ed Burns. Because Ed Burns, I, I have noticed, you know, he's got a little air for a little jazz. So I, oh. think, that that, I think that that's where, I, that's, you know, every writer imbues their characters with a bit of themselves. And I think that that's, I think that that's it, you know. There's one phrase, if I, can, um, um, if I can jump from that to something else, that um, this, you know, you, everyone likes this, this catchphrase, all the pieces matter, you know. But the catchphrase for Freeman and the original Freeman, the man who he was based on, whom I did not meet until the last day of the shoot. <laughs> all those years, you know, Bunk had a bunk to go to, McNulty had a McNulty to go to, I was trying to find you know, some Freeman to go to. There was no Freeman until the last day. And he did that. He was a man who was sidelined and who dug his jazz. And that's where, what, that's where, um, where Ed got it from. His name is Steve. I think his name might be even Steve Clark, which is really weird. Um, but the catchphrase is not this. The catchphrase we should all be listening to is what? Follow the money. money. Hey. All right. So, oh, thank you. Oh, I knew. It's just what I thought. I think Dave gave a prize for for the sea bomb. I'm going to give the prize to the man who. Uh, Forced you to say you want you would play bubbles in a different life. <laughs> Rob Joe, question? there he is. Yeah. <laughs> take it. I'll bring it down. So um, let's take a selfie. Can we take a selfie? Can we put the house yeah. lights up? Rat. Smile! Yay! <laughs> it's the Clark Peters, everyone. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Before we go, we would like to thank a couple more people. Um, Dave Gilby, who connected us with Clark. Yep. Uh, Ian Mills from No Exit Press, who gave us these books. Uh, Richard from the Isaiah Whitlock Academy for the Bobblehead. <laughs> you know, He's Richard. He's got his own academy. Yeah. Like you. Uh, <laughs> Zoe, Sally, Rebecca, everyone here at King's Place, and all the staff for making this happen. Andrew, I keep going yeah. to Kobe. I'm so just going to keep talking. Yeah, so Andrew Johnson and Gabriella Jones. And I didn't know Dave was going to be here, but some, we have so many some people, contributors here. If you've heard the podcast, you've heard their voices. Andrew Johnston's over there with the blonde bangs. Is that what they're called in America? No. <laughs> and Gabriella Jones is sat there next to my wife. So we got uh, a little thank you for you two. We'll sort you out, Dave, afterwards. Um, Gabriella, do you want the bobblehead or the Follow book? The <Yeah>. Sam Clark Peter's book. There you go. And thank you to you guys and all our other contributors. Um, yeah, thanks to some, Chris. Oh, we've got more. Sorry. There's got some people who've voiced the, bur the burners. <laughs> uh, Chris Sotera, Izzy Lawrence for doing our graphics. Yep. Uh, Susie from The Casual Birder, Chris from Easy Riders Raging Podcast, who I think are, are both here. Uh, Martin and Sam, Sam from the Song by Song podcast, who do our theme song. 
producer Tom back there with the roaming mic who makes all of this happen. Yeah. And of course, once again, give it up for Mr. Clark Peters. Thank you. Thank you very much, man. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Come here, so it's not. Brilliant. you like Malbec. Oh, man. <laughs> I wish I could share this with everyone, but. Uh... <laughs> But uh, if, Drinks you and call, after. If, if you give, <laughs> we'll give me a call paintings. later on, I'll let you know how it tastes. Yeah. <laughs> all right, you. thank that's you all for coming. Thank you very nice. much. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> We're going to stay here and finish our chess game. Yeah, hold on. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that episode. We really enjoyed doing it, and Clark Peters is an absolute legend. So once again, thank you very much, Clark, for your time and your generosity with uh, ourselves and everyone who's in the room. Clark stayed around for you know the best part of an hour, speaking to people and asking questions, and you know taking photos and answering questions. Um, it's an absolute legend. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed your Malbec. Um, a couple of things before I go. We're still looking for some burner messages. So if you want to leave us a message on our burner. Uh, please leave a WhatsApp voice message on plus four four seven five three four eight three one six five eight. That's plus four four seven five three four eight three one six five eight. We're really looking for people to tell us what they thought about Ziggy and season two when they first came across the show. Thank you very much to everyone at London Podcast Festival for doing this. We have new images and designs from Chris Sutera, so check him out. A link is on our website. Thanks, of course, to producer Tom to Sam and Martin from Song by Song Podcast and everyone else. Stay tuned for season two proper next week. <laughs> <laughs>